The unexpected and magical postseason of the Florida Panthers takes them to a Stanley Cup final in dramatic fashion. Is this team destined to win it all? The Nuggets make history and the Celtics stay alive. Will they win at home in a Game 5 and extend the series back to Miami? MLB heads into the Memorial Day weekend, approaching one-third of a season already played. I'll check the latest there. The NFL is NFLing with flex games on Thursdays, another new rule regarding kickoffs, and a wildcard playoff game on a streaming service, and a sporting event that's taking place over the weekend that was all the rage as a kid flies under the radar for the most part. The unofficial beginning of summer is upon us, and so is the latest podcast. It's all coming up, but first, this message. J Reels here, just passing by to send a brief reminder to please subscribe, rate, review this podcast, the J Reels podcast, on wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's on Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, CastBox, all of the major platforms that are out there. Whichever one that you listen to, once again, just throw me a few stars, write a review. I would greatly appreciate it just to increase the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there, especially this one, which covers all sports in roughly one hour. Where else are you going to get that? So if you can go ahead and please do that, I would sincerely and gratefully appreciate it. And with that said, let's get it. The J Reels Podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December. But what really counts is let me see this in January. The sports rebel without a pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I got to call it as I see it. He is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J Rules Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, Michael people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? I hope everybody's doing well, feeling fantastic, in excellent spirits. Just six more days until June. And sandwiched between that, a long weekend as we welcome in the not-so-quite-beginning-of-summer, as well as my viewpoint and thoughts on all that's happening in sports, as this is the J Reels Podcast with your host, J Reels. For my first-timers, welcome aboard, and for those who have been banging with me going back to the very beginning, somewhere in the middle, or even as early as this past Monday, I welcome you guys and gals back. Before I even get into the NBA, because I'm sure a lot of people want to get my Celtics take and what happened there in Miami as they saved their season, and I've been starting off with the NBA here for quite some time, but last night in South Florida, and the theme that I'm going to go at here before I get into the Panthers' magic carpet ride to a Stanley Cup final, this is the beauty of sports, and I understand it may not be a team that's on nobody's radar, I understand that it's probably a sport that is on nobody's radar, but whenever you have a team that has come out of nowhere, and albeit a team that last year had the most points in the sport during the regular season, the Florida Panthers were the President's Trophy winner of the 2021-2022 calendar year, and I get it that it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things, just ask the Boston Bruins and how that worked for them, as they were the President's Trophy winner with all the records that they set in the regular season, and they're on a golf course or on a beach somewhere on this planet. But when we take a look at this and just the grasp of what we've watched here over the last few weeks, and going back to that series against the Boston Bruins where they were down 
Three games to one after losing two games in their building, games three and four. They had to win an overtime game in game five. And then we understand what happened there as the series unfolded, that game seven in Boston to where they were down 3-2 with a minute to go before they tied the game, if you recall. So it wasn't as if they got the equalizer early or even midway through the third period. They were down to the final minute of their season. And I'm sure a lot of people would have looked at that as, wow, the Florida Panthers gave the Boston Bruins all they could handle as the Bruins got out alive and moved on. And who knows how the playoffs would have actually taken into shape if the Bruins would have hung on there to win that Game 7 against Florida. But as we know, that was not the case. As they get the overtime game winner by Carter Vergehi and propels them into the next series against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And even with the Maple Leafs finally getting over the hump, and a lot of people thought that maybe this was going to be their path to have a deep run to finally just shake off not only the hex of winning a first-round series, which they haven't done in 19 years, but maybe, quite possibly, getting to a Stanley Cup final, which they haven't been to or even won since 1967. And the Panthers just disposed of them in five games. And then you have this series against the Carolina Hurricanes, which, yes, all the games were close. A lot of them were within one goal. In fact, the Panthers jumped out to a 2 nothing lead yesterday, which was the biggest lead when you think about it, because a lot of this has all been as close as you could possibly imagine, where the series has been predominantly tied, or one team has been up by a goal or down, and as it was, the party was starting early in South Florida, where Anthony Duclair opened the scoring there with a minute into the game, and this is on the heels of what happened there on Monday night, where Sam Reinhart got a power play goal in the second period, and Sergei Bobrovsky, who has been more than I ever even imagined, because Bobrovsky does have a track record of folding in these type of games, not coming up big and coming up way too small, got his first ever playoff shutout there Monday night, and then they jump out to the 2 nothing lead, and as the game unfolded, and even though Carolina, they were game, they knew that they were desperate, they had to do whatever it takes to try to just stay alive, similar to what the Boston Celtics had to do there on Tuesday night, but I'll talk about them in a minute. But for Carolina then, Jesper Fast to get that goal late in the third period and you're thinking to yourself, well, here we go, another overtime game, another scenario where either the Florida Panthers who have just been the kings of the dramatic, kings of overtime, winning these games, as I mentioned here throughout the course of these first three series. And before you know it, you got a tripping call there late in the third period where the Panthers got on the power play, and then with 4.9 seconds left, right in front of the Carolina net, who was the one that punctuates this complete run, and even this series, when you think about it, with the game-winning goal and series-clinching goal? The guy who won game one in four overtimes with 12.7 seconds left, the guy who won game two in overtime, what was it, a minute 36 in, and now, last night, to punch their ticket to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since 1996... A one, Matthew Kachuk. And they might as well start. Not to say it has to be completed, but if this dream run, this unexpected run, that just came out of nowhere, because despite the fact that this team on the last day made it into the postseason as an eighth seed, is now the first eighth seed since the 06 Edmonton Oilers when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals against the Carolina Hurricanes. 
And for Kachuk, in his first year in Florida, after that trade last summer with Calgary, and how he went to that press conference literally the day after the trade was consummated, and how he talked about being a leader, knowing what this team went through last year as a President's Trophy winner, and how they bottomed out there in the second round against Tampa, knowing that there had to be a shift, a bit of a culture change in that locker room. And all he's done is lead this team, and especially in this round, to the Holy Grail. Now they have to win it, and to wrap all this up in one nice, tidy little bow, I'm sure they're starting to make the statue, not necessarily build it, because if this Panther team gets four more wins, I'm sure you're going to see a statue somewhere in the years to come with Kachuk being the focal point of the entryway or one of the entryways into that arena. I know it's been through a million name changes over the years, but he's been the guy to turn this thing around, and now they're just four wins away from winning their first ever Stanley Cup. And one more time, this is why we watch sports. I get it that it's rare. I get it that the team who literally was the underdog or had no shot or even had no business getting this deep into the postseason and all the Florida Panthers have to do is just look down, what is it, 595 in the Turnpike or I-95 to go to outside of Overtown on Biscayne Boulevard to have another team. Now granted, a little bit different because the Heat has been in the NBA Final in the last three years and were this close to making it to an NBA Final last year. And one more time, they're this close to making it this year, as we know. But when you have a run like this, it is probably the most euphoric. And I would think it's no better feeling as a sports fan. And I understand there's about 16 Florida Panther fans that are out there. But there's no better feeling to get on this magic carpet ride and hope that it never comes down. Because when you're a dominant team, and a team that's expected to win, a la the Boston Bruins... And yes, it could be a great ride. And yes, it could be a lot of fun. I'll just use the 98 Yankees, for instance. And when they had that dominant season 25 years ago, and it culminated in a sweep over the San Diego Padres. And even though there was some pressure in the previous series when they were down two games to one to the Cleveland Indians at the time, and maybe people had some doubt or fans were creeping in to think that, oh, geez, what if we don't win here? 114 regular season wins, dominant throughout the American League the entire year, and this is how the season is going to come crashing down to a screeching halt. But as we all know, that wasn't the case, and they're one of the great teams of all time. Now, it's not to say the Florida Panthers are going to do that, even if they do win a Stanley Cup, but the contrast is, when you have that dominant team and win, it's almost a relief, partially, because of the expectations, because of just the dominant steamrolling play that you had throughout the course of the year that anything short of a championship would have been a failure. Where when it comes to this, six weeks ago, I'm sure even the Panthers to a man, if you would have asked them that, not only would you have been at this point, but you would have beaten the Bruins the way you did, winning the final three games of that series, and since that time, after losing game four, you would win 11 of 12 to get to this point? I'm sure everybody in the organization, from the training staff to the ushers to the parking lot attendants, etc., would have said, you got to be out of your skull. But guess what? Here they are. And one more time, when you have a ride like this, 
You just only hope to ride it to the point where, A, you don't want it to end in a defeat. You want to be that last team standing. And it makes you think whether or not, is this team destined to win a Stanley Cup? Because of how they performed. Now there is one caveat, which I'm going to get to in a couple of minutes. Because I'm going to get to the next series in a second. But congratulations to the Florida Panthers and what they've done. The phenomenal job by the coach Paul Maurice. Matthew Kachuk, what more could you say about the guy? Even their teammates in the postgame, Aaron Eckblad. Who else? Kachuk has been Superman on skates. Here throughout the course of this series and this entire postseason. And I'm sure the entire year, despite the fact that there were a lot of peaks and maybe more valleys throughout the course of the regular season just to get into the postseason. But since then... Man, it has been nothing but coconuts and palm trees, and especially coming from South Florida, it is apropos that the Panthers are in this final and are well represented. And now we have to wait and see what's going to happen tonight out west, where it looks like the Stars' heart was just ripped out of their chest, and maybe you could thank Jamie Benn for that. I'm not going to put it all on him, but if there was a rallying cry or point for the Vegas Golden Knights after getting the opening goal a minute and 11 in, in Game 3, where Jonathan Marshall, again, Johnny on the spot, gets the scoring, opening up for the Golden Knights, and just seconds later, Jamie Benn, I don't know what got into him, but he cross-checks Mark Stone while he's laying on the ice across the neck. I understand for certain people, they didn't think it was that bad, but I thought it was bad enough. Now he gets two games for that infraction, which that may be too much. You figure maybe he would have gotten a game. But you're not going to see Jamie Benn tonight. And if the Stars do win, you're not going to see him in a Game 5 either. But for Vegas then to take over and just jump out of the gate, what was it, nine minutes into the game, they got three goals. And Dallas was just flailing. They had no answers. And you got to wonder whether or not that incident with Ben early on, did that take the life out of the building? Did that take the life out of the team? And therefore, the result that you saw was a 4 nothing shutout by Vegas and Dallas now scuffling to see whether or not they're going to have some pride and maybe have a little Boston Celtics in them to see if they could at least come out with a victory here in front of their home fans and go back to Vegas to see if they could extend this series another game. Now, I think Vegas is going to go for the kill shot tonight. I know Dallas, especially in these first two games, it could have gone either way and they shot themselves in the foot with a bunch of mistakes there in game two, but that's history. They can't look back on it. They can't say, oh, what if, so on and so forth. Now they have to regroup and see if they could show up and show out for the fans at least one last time before possibly walking the plank in T-Mobile Arena. Where will it be? Saturday night to see whether or not Vegas will advance to their first Stanley Cup since their inaugural season just five years ago. And I think Vegas, as much as they've been out in front all year and what they've done here in this postseason. I can't see why that they wouldn't win this game tonight. I'm sure they want to take business knowing that the Panthers did so last night. And now that one caveat. Now, I don't know if they're going to do an adjustment here. I don't know if the NHL, and I understand why they have the date set for where it was set. Because if these series would have gone seven games to the max, They're going to need a few days for a blow to set themselves up for the Stanley Cup Final. But think about this. If the Golden Knights win tonight, and even if they win Saturday night, but more so tonight, take a guess when the Stanley Cup Final will begin. 
Oh, Jay Reels, it has to be maybe not next Thursday because that's when the NBA Finals begin. So maybe that Friday, the second, or maybe that Saturday so it could be showcased on TNT because I think the Stanley Cup Finals this year are on TNT and not ABC, ESPN as it was last year with Colorado and Tampa. All right, so maybe next Saturday. All right, maybe that Sunday. It has to be no later than Monday, which would be what? June the 5th off the top of my head? Try two weeks from tonight. That's when the Stanley Cup Final begins. So as much as I talked about the other night, if the Heat were to sweep the Celtics, and obviously we know that wasn't the case, and Denver took care of the Lakers, and I'll get to them in a second, that the NBA would have a nine-day layoff between the end of their conference finals to the start of the NBA finals. And as it is, we know that if Miami wins tonight, you have a week which the NBA will begin their quest for the Lawrence O'Brien Trophy a week from tonight, and that's bad enough, but a nine-day layoff, which is potentially the case, and now it could be seven, well, what happens if Vegas wins tonight? They might as well start the series on the 4th of July. June 8th? And one more time, I get it, because the way these series and how they unfolded, if they were extended to seven games, and who would have thought that you would have had potentially two sweeps, not only in the NBA, but especially in the NHL, and that you have to allocate certain days off between that final game seven for the Western Conference final to at least give them a few days to start that Thursday the 8th? I mean, seriously? They may have to adjust this because this Stanley Cup final as it is is going to be an afterthought. I understand the upstart Panthers and the 8th seed and their story and everything that I've just detailed over the first 10, 12 minutes of this podcast, but this isn't the Bruins and Blackhawks. This isn't the Rangers playing against the Edmonton Oilers. This isn't a scenario where you have an original six team on one end and another team that has been dominant throughout the year or, and we get it, Vegas is a one seed, but Vegas just got onto the hockey map here over the last half decade. It's not as if you have a mainstay there that you can say, oh, wow, great. It's not no Montreal's, no New York Rangers, Boston Bruins, Toronto Maple Leafs. You have none of those teams here. And there's no Colorado Avalanche to defend their cup or even the Tampa Bay Lightning to make a four straight cup. No. You have two teams that are going to be here. One, we know the Panthers and the Vegas, you figure that they're going to be the other team. There's not going to be a lot of sex appeal there for the average sports fan to think that, wait, when did the Stanley Cup Finals begin? Two weeks. Oh, forget about that. I'm going to be on a beach or I'm going on vacation. Nobody's going to care. And that's the problem you have here with the way this is all broken down, not only for the NBA, but more so for the NHL. And especially with their games going to be on TNT, it's not as if, oh, I guess I'm going to watch the game on ESPN. TNT, what? And we understand TNT is a major network. That's not to knock TNT by any stretch. But it's not going to be on over-the-air TV where you can pop it up anywhere, anytime. And I understand in the digital age that we live in, you can watch it on your phone, tablet, I get it. But still, two weeks, if Vegas wraps up their series tonight... In 12 days, if they win on Saturday night, which you think they will because they're going to go back home even if they lose tonight, uh, it is going to be forever. We're going to preview this Stanley Cup final when the All-Star break for the, the Major League Baseball season is going to take place. So we'll have to wait and see, and let's just hope that maybe for the NHL fan or maybe for Gary Bettman that Dallas could win tonight to at least have another hockey game here on Saturday because if not, it is going to be in the wilderness here and the tumbleweeds are going to be going across the ice over the next two weeks wondering when the Stanley Cup Finals will finally begin.
All right, now let me turn my attention to the NBA. Let's talk about the Nuggets. Congratulations to them. And talk about a team that is on a quest and a mission. It's the Nuggets. I understand with the Panthers, we got to have to wait and see with Vegas. And we'll talk about that. Destined to win a cup. I bring up the question with them. And we'll talk about that. We have plenty of time to get into that. But I think the Nuggets, no matter who they play. And I get it that there's a lot of people thinking that, oh, now that the Celtics won, you're giving them life. And now they go back home. Who knows what could happen here if they push it to a game six. Before I even get to that, to me, Denver's a team to beat. I don't care. Even if Miami wins by 50 tonight. The Nuggets are the team that I think are going to win the NBA Finals in no more than six games. Maybe even five. I'll say that right now. There's your early prediction. You want to have that as a hot take? So be it. What we've seen here in this postseason by the Nuggets, as they're now what, 12-3? and All right, they gave a game to Minnesota there in a game number four in the first round. And I believe that game went to overtime. So, okay, Minnesota earned it, whatever. Phoenix, they came back from those 2-0 series deficit there in the second round. But we saw what happened in the game six where you thought maybe Phoenix would take it back to Denver and all the pressure would have been on the Nuggets. Smackdown, 30 at the half and they won by 25. And then, even though the Lakers were in all these games, including game number four where they had a 14-point lead and the Nuggets came storming back, And it wasn't all just Nikola Jokic or even Jamal Murray had Aaron Gordon chip in with 22 big points. And you had just resourcefulness on this team to where we understand you're going to have seven guys here. You're not going to have a deep team. It's not as if you're going to have a solid eight or nine guys come off the bench. We know who the guys and who the cast of characters are for this Nugget team. But they've been able to show a lot of will, a lot of grit. They didn't fold They didn't say, ah, the Lakers, out of respect, not to say they're just going to hand them a game, but my point is, is that even with LeBron's 31 points in the first half and he ended with 40, and even though he was huffing and puffing down the stretch of that second half to where he was unable to piggyback off of what he did in the first half of the game where he scored 23 points, the most ever in a playoff game for LeBron James, and to think he did it at the age of 38, and he had 31 at the half, Ended with 40, and although the stat line looks great, but the second half certainly wasn't a carbon copy of the first. As he wore down down the stretch, and you saw on that final drive there, where he was trying to get to the basket, and he had not only Jamal Murray, but also Aaron Gordon there defend, and was unable to get a shot off, to where Denver, arms raised high in the air by Nikola Jokic, and the Nuggets for the first time in their franchise's history make it to an NBA final, and how they've been able to win these games, especially when you look at these final three games of this series could have gone either way the Lakers could have won easily won maybe even two of these games and we could have had a game five or possibly a game six if that was the case but when the Nuggets win that type of game and you could say all right well the Lakers ran out of gas or the Lakers didn't have enough shooters or playmakers all right you could say that but the Nuggets still gutted out these games and won And that says something about this team and how they've been able to perform here and not fold and not shrink and certainly not say they weren't built for this type of run considering that the Nuggets throughout their 47-year history, whether it was potential, whether they had the pieces, whether it wasn't their time or was their time, they closed up shop and as we know, did not even get to an NBA final where this year, it's a different story. And this is why I think whether it be Miami and the likeliest opponent or the Boston Celtics by some way, shape, or form, or miracle for that matter, to me it's going to be the Nuggets in six. Minimum. And 
We'll see. If the Heat win tonight, you have a week between now and Game 1 next week, which will be in Denver. But if the Celtics do win, Game 1 will be in Boston. So keep that in mind if that happens to be the plan of the basketball gods. But give it up. The Nuggets have been resourceful. They've been the best team so far in this tournament, East or West. And don't give me the Heat. I don't want to hear it either. I understand they beat Milwaukee, but Giannis was out for almost three games. And I'm sure that series, Miami probably wouldn't have gotten out alive if that's the case. But here we are. And now, as we get to the Eastern Conference Final, the one thing I'll say is for everyone that's thinking that now the Celtics have life in them, and they do. I can't discount that. But here's one thing that you have to think about, especially if you're a Celtic fan like yours truly. Even with a Game 5 tonight, and I know that building is going to be juiced up and they're going to be raring to go, but the Celtics have lost five of the last seven playoff games in that building. And they're four and five overall. After beating the Hawks in the first two games in the opening series, one more time, they've lost five of seven. So we could talk about the home court advantage. We could talk about the fans. We could talk about all of the pressure maybe now starting to build on the Miami Heat side. Nonsense. What saved the Celtics the other night, not only was Jason Tatum clutch and finally scoring some points in the fourth quarter, baskets that is, not free throws, and making some big threes there during that stretch where they were down 61-52 in the third quarter. He hit those two threes and then Derek White hit a three to tie. They went on that 18-0 run. And then even at 88-83, Tatum had that little floater, not a floater, it was actually a fall away there by the free throw line. And then he had a three there later on during that sequence to where they had a 17-0 run. Or excuse me, let me double check that. 88, it was a 12-0 run. My apologies. So they had the 18-0 run at 61-52 and they had the 12-0 run at 88-83 which iced the game at that point. But what was critical during that stretch and to me that was in bold and living color was the defense by the Celtics. Grant Williams blocking a Jimmy Butler shot. Derek White blocking Duncan Robinson from behind. Getting steals from the front court. Jalen Brown going coast to coast. That was the difference. When the Celtics get stops and they play that type of defense, that opens it up for them. So where they're able to break the zone by the Miami Heat, especially when it was 88-83, when they went zone to try to confuse the Celtics. And uh uh-uh, they were able to get a couple of easy baskets and able to get some open shooters for threes. And for the Celtics, as we all know, going back to last year, under the old coach Ime Udoka, When their defense goes, to me it seems that's when their offense goes. And that was the critical point of that game. Not only during that 18-0 run, but that 12-0 run, which pushed the Celtics to a game five tonight in Boston. And if they play that type of defense, where they're able to get turnovers, and able to force the 24-second clock to expire, and able to open up their offense a bit, and I also get that shooting 18 for 45 from three, opposed to Miami, 8 for 32 certainly helps. And that was the difference there when you talk about the score sheet. And Miami was not able to get off with Gay Vincent, Caleb Martin, the guys that I've talked about here over the last, seems like two months. And if the Celtics are able to get that type of performance on Tuesday night tonight, then they're going to push it to a game six. But I can't trust this team. Because I could see them coming out firing, Miami coming back, 
Similar to what we saw in games one and two. To where the Celtics had a lead and they couldn't close. And this is what the Celtics are going to need to do. They're going to need to close. Yes, they shot terribly from three in those first two games, but they had chances to win both of those games. And as long as they put themselves in a position where they're ahead, close the game out. If they do that, they'll go to Miami for game six and then all the pressure will be on the heat at that point. Now we know that the odds are stacked against them and I don't think they're going to come out alive and I'm not saying that as a reverse jinx, but for them to pull off this inside straight and obviously they got to win tonight, as we all know, but their defense is going to have to be just as intense and just as a factor to contribute to them winning as much as it is them shooting 18, 20, or so threes for them to win this game. That's certainly going to help because we know the Celtics are a three-point shooting machine where they're going to live and die by it. But they have to get stops. And, of course, they can't be careless with the balls I've talked about time after time. And that was the other thing, too, to compound that. They didn't turn the ball over during those stretches. So it's almost as if if you feed the one beast and play good defense, obviously it's going to contribute them to playing crisper basketball. But when they're hoisting threes with 18 seconds left on the shot clock and they're trying to fit the ball in windows where it's the slightest of gaps and just try to make a play at the basket and kick it out where it's either thrown out of bounds or thrown to the other team, uh uh-uh, they can't do that. Not to say they got to be playing near-perfect basketball, but we understand that's not the formula for the Celtics to not only win this game tonight, but to even get back in the series to get it tied and to go back to Boston for Game 7. And despite the fact that the Celtics have been good in the elimination games, as we've seen, whether it was two nights ago, whether it was against Philly down 3-2, whether it was last year down 3-2 against Milwaukee, a Game 7 in Miami, they have a track record. But this may be insurmountable. It may be too much of a tall order for them to overcome. And tonight, I got to tell you, I don't know what to expect from this team. Do I think in my gut they're going to win? Yes. And usually your gut tells you, but my head and my heart saying, uh-uh, I don't think so. Because if they go back to their sloppy ways, or if they go back to thinking that, all right, now all the pressure's on Miami right now, no, 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 no. Because Gabe Vincent, who turned an ankle, you got to wonder about his health, he's going to play, but is that going to be lingering? Kayla Martin is all of a sudden, he's going to go into an ice cold funk here. Jimmy Butler had, what, 27 points the other night, and they were a quiet 27, but yeah, all of a sudden, he's not going to shut off the switch. He's going to come right at him. It's going to be fascinating, because if they could get to Miami 3-2, I could see them winning that game. And as crazy as this is going to sound, and I feel like I have a little bit more trust in them winning game six in Miami than tonight. Because if they do win tonight, all the pressure is going to be on Miami, and that fan base, the... 1,500 of them that are truly diehard. If the Celtics get out to a lead, and if Miami struggles like they did the other night, that fan base is going to bail. They're going to exit that building with the quickness. And a lot of that momentum that the Heat have had over these first three games, that's going to get sucked out of them. Now, I understand they're a professional team. They're tough. They're gritty. You can't just overlook that. But now they're going to be up against the Beast knowing that, well, the Celtics are a two-seed and they've been dominant throughout the regular season for a reason. And maybe just a little bit of doubt will start to creep in. 
I can't tell you about tonight. I really can't. I wish I could. Like I told you, my gut, and you think your gut will tell you everything, but my head and my heart tell me otherwise. So that's why I got to take that over my gut. I think the Celtics win a close game, but I can't say that with 100% confidence. Where it's crazy for me to think that I'll have 100% confidence for them to win in Miami in a game six. I really do. Because I almost feel as that's where they thrive in. Just like they did in Philadelphia game six two weeks ago. Just like they did in Milwaukee game six last year. And now they may have an opportunity for a game six there Saturday night. But as I like to say, we shall see. All right, now as I lace up my cleats and get in the batter's box to talk a little baseball as we head into the Memorial Day weekend where by the time we get to Monday, the next time we reconvene, and that of course will be Memorial Day itself, but we have a scenario where we're going to be about at the one-third juncture of the baseball season already. I mean, think about that. Today is what, May 25th, so tomorrow, that is what, the 29th that Monday? And the baseball season started on March 30th, so we're going to be close to two months in and a third of the way into this 2023 baseball season. And on Monday, I'll get into a little bit more as far as where we're at with some of these teams. I know I've talked about the Padres flailing here, and you got to wonder what's going to happen with them throughout the course of the summer. Same for the Blue Jays, who had played well, but then they hit an abutment here, even though they won 20-1 to the other night against the... Tampa Bay Rays, but they lost last night where Shane McClanahan is now 8-0 and and they'll wrap up their series in Tampa today. And we can look at a few other teams, whether it's the Dodgers bouncing back and how they've been playing, even with their starting rotation in tatters. No Julio Urias with a hamstring and we know about Dustin May. Walker Buehler's not going to come back anytime soon. But they won 2 out of 3 in Atlanta where Freddie Freeman went back home, had a 3-run homer there on Monday. But they couldn't get the sweep as they got a walk-off there yesterday in Atlanta. And then even the Phillies, who have been scuffling the National League champs, they avoided the sweep by Arizona and give it up for Arizona. We talked about them on Monday briefly and how they've played here throughout the course of this first third. But I'll get into more of that on Monday because baseball, when we look at Memorial Day and we look at certain parts of the season, whether it's Memorial Day, the All-Star break, and Labor Day, and I understand you have the trade deadline where a lot of teams are going to try to make some acquisitions to better their team or to try to find that final piece if it's a contending team, etc. But we can't really look at it then because we have to wait and see how that plays out after the trade deadline. So the first juncture coming this Monday, and one more time I'll go more in depth on the baseball season and how I think it will play out as we go into June and especially as we get to the All-Star break as to how this I won't even say pennant race or pennant chase, but how I get into my crystal ball and see where we're going to go as far as the trajectory of this baseball season. If we're going to have some of those pretenders a la Arizona, a la Pirates, and a couple other teams, will they be in contention mode? Not for a World Series, of course, but maybe just to get into the playoffs. So we'll go further into that come Monday. But you have another series that closes out today with the Orioles and Yankees. And that's been a very intriguing series because when you look at what happened there on Tuesday night where the Orioles had a chance to close out the Yankees there in the ninth inning, but who else? Aaron Judge gets the game-tying home run 
And then they went into the 10th inning on a walk-off. And then with the Yankees up 4-1, there was an uprising there in the 7th inning where you had an 8-run inning by the Orioles. I believe it was 8 runs. Let me double-check that, of course. But it looked like the Yankees were going to take the first two games of this series, but the Orioles were able to get a 8-spot, that's right, in the 7th inning. And they were able to beat up a little bit there on Nestor Cortez, who has not had a good year. And I get it, he's crafty and he's like a sly fox on the mound, but his ERA is five and a half. He hasn't been the guy that has been an all-star as he was last year and hasn't been able to capture a little bit of that magic that he had in 2022. But now you have the rubber match today. Let's see if the Orioles could get a game back as they were able to split these first two games. So a good barometer for Baltimore, a young team trying to stake their claim, not only in the AL East, but in the AL and throughout baseball. So we'll see how that plays out there tonight as they wrap up their series. But as we look toward the weekend and some of these series, talk about the Dodgers, they go to Tampa, a rematch of the 2020 World Series. That's going to be an interesting litmus test for both teams to see where the Dodgers stack up against arguably the best team by record and vice versa. And then you have the Padres who are in Washington at the moment. They will come up the 95 card order to play the Yankees this weekend. And who knows if you're going to see Manny Machado as he has that hairline fracture in his hand after getting hit by a pitch. From what was said last week, even though he's going to be on the IL for 10 days, which would lead into tomorrow, does it mean he's going to play third base there come tomorrow night at Yankee Stadium? That we'll have to wait and see. But that's a series that we'll pay attention to as the Padres continue to try to get out of the muck and what's gone on there in the early part of the season. And as I take a look at the rest of the schedule, Mets go to Colorado. I'm not going to get into them. They get on a five-game winning streak, as I talked about on Monday, where they beat Tampa two out of three in both of those games in dramatic fashion, as well as the Guardians over the weekend. And then they go to Wrigley, and their former teammate, Marcus Stroman, what does he do yesterday? Goes eight innings, 88 pitches, I might add. And he gives up two runs, four hits, and was able to be victorious. And the Mets can't win in Chicago to save their lives, especially at Wrigley, for whatever the reason. If you remember late last year, when the Cubs came to City Field, they swept them, and they beat them up pretty bad. So for whatever the reason, the Mets cannot beat the Cubs, as if the Cubs are some juggernaut. Uh, so anyway, I digress. Let me go on to the schedule for the weekend. As I mentioned, Dodgers raised down in Tampa. You also have the Padres at the Yankees. And another series to keep an eye on is Philadelphia going to Atlanta. So you have the two teams that faced off against one another. And I believe it's their first time they're matching up this year. Remember, they played in the division series last year where the Phillies won in four games. So that's going to be a series one to watch there as the Phillies try to get themselves on track and see if they can win two out of three down there in the ATL. Other than that, no other series that are really of note. Toronto at Minnesota, not going to get crazy about that. San Francisco going to Milwaukee, eh. St. Louis, I know the Cardinals have played better, but they're going to Cleveland, eh. So not much to shake at other than those three series. You want to say Pittsburgh at Seattle, see what the Pirates do in the Pacific Northwest, okay. And you have Boston who got swept by the A's, excuse me, by the Angels over the last three days. They go to Arizona. So let's see if Zona could continue to give the Red Sox on their West Coast trip some fits as they were in San Diego last weekend and up the coast there to Anaheim before making their way to the desert. So that's what we have there with the baseball as we go into Memorial Day weekend and we'll touch on that more so on Monday. I want to get to the NFL. There were a couple of things that went down the pike over the 
last few days, and especially what happened there last week, which I forgot to mention. I'll start off with the Thursday night flex as they're going to have an opportunity there late in the season from weeks 13 to 17 to where those games can be flexed out. Now, provided that they have a month in advance to have these games being flexed, and some of these games aren't going to be flexed. I believe one of the games was Seattle at Dallas, and you know they're not going to flex out the Cowboys. Then you have New England and Pittsburgh. That's not going to happen. Jets in Cleveland with Aaron Rodgers there. That's not going to happen. The two games in the middle, Saints-Rams, which you could automatically see that's going to be a flex unless the Saints are having a big year. And in the NFC South, who knows? That's a division where it's going to be a toss-up as to who's going to come out on top. So if the Saints are playing well, maybe they'll keep that game. The other game off the top of my head, I can't remember what it was, but if they want to flex out of any of these games, they have to submit that a month in advance so at least the teams know, you know, yours truly, I don't like it. I wish that wasn't the case, but so be it. That's the world we live in now with streaming and the NFL wanting to feed all these mouths of Amazon, of CBS, NBC, Fox, ESPN, etc. So that's just the way of the world. And then you have the rule change, at least just for this year, where if you fair catch a kickoff, the ball spotted at the 25. So even if you get a fair catch, think about this, you can fair catch it at the two-yard line, it's going to be at the 25. Which, I get it, they want to cut down the injuries and the concussions and the collisions. All right, fine, but what you're doing is you're taking the kickoff out of the sport. Which, for the most part, it's... A non-issue, only because a lot of these kickers kick it into the end zone and it's an automatic spot at the 25 as it is. But for those who don't want to return it, whether it's at the one-yard line or even if you get the ball at the 20, and who knows, maybe even then, with the wedge teams and with the play unfolding quickly, I'm sure they're going to want to fair catch it there at the 20 and not try to gain that extra two, three, five, maybe even 10 yards for that matter when it comes to field position. So you have that to think about when you get into the start of this season. And again, I guess this is just an experiment for this year. So something else we're going to have to live with there as they take out the kickoff in the NFL. And then I didn't discuss this last week, but I'm going to bring it up now. And one more time, this is not only just the digital age and not only one more time, the world we live in, but to think that the Saturday night playoff game, and that's a wild card round. And last year that was... The Chargers at Jacksonville. That game is going to be exclusively streamed on Peacock. That's right, one more time, exclusively streamed on Peacock. Which means you got to go out and get the Peacock app. And if you don't have it, it's a free trial or whatever it is, $4.99 a month, whatever. I can't stand it. And you know they're going to get the worst game out of the bunch. They're not putting the Cowboys on Peacock. They're not putting... The Jets in that wild card spot. Who knows? Watch them do that because that will just generate more interest for people to get the app just for the one game. But what can you do? Think about the Sunday ticket, which was on DirecTV all these years. It's going to be on YouTube. All those games are going to be streamed. So this is how it's going to be. And I don't mind the streaming aspect of it, but it's just the greed where it's, all right, we're going to put a postseason game here on Peacock, and you can only watch it on Peacock. You're not going to watch it on any cable or network TV. And that's why it has to be the bad game, because could you imagine it being a Cowboy game or Jet game, or let's say if the Chiefs don't get the one seed, and they put the Chiefs there on Saturday night. Now you got to get the P 
Peacock app in order to watch the game? I mean, give me a break. So, I don't like it. But again, it's 2023 and everybody watches on their phones, tablets, computers, etc. So, this is what it is here as the technology and the streaming services are just going to probably be not only a thing of the future, but a thing of the present. Because CBS with Paramount, I'm sure they're going to stream one of those games on there. Or ESPN, no, it's going to be streamed exclusively on ESPN, so you got to watch it there. You can't watch it on the cable network. So that's why I got there with the NFL. And a couple of other things before I sign off. The French Open begins on Monday. I'll talk more about it then. Go deep into the second Grand Slam of the year. We know there's no Rafael Nadal. We know there's no Andy Murray as he withdrew from the French Open. No Matteo Berrettini. No Nick Kyrgios. And it's going to be, hopefully they are on opposite sides of the draw. If this isn't going to be Carlos Alcaraz versus Novak Djokovic for the men's final. And I understand you could put up an argument for Daniil Medvedev or Alexander Zverev or a couple of the guys that I've failed to mention, Francis Tiafo and the other kid, Taylor. I was going to say Taylor Swift, but my apologies. Taylor Fritz, I believe is his name. If those guys aren't going to be there at the end with Djokovic, then who knows? But I'll get into more of that Monday in the women's side as well as there's been some developments there as we'll get into that tournament at that time. But as a boy, and I know I say this every year during this time, but there's an event that's taking place on Sunday, which as a kid, in my early youth, going back to the 70s, this was the beginning of summer. And I understand that baseball was prominent there, especially in the 70s. Remember, the NBA in the 70s, those games were on tape delay. The NHL was nowhere to be found on any cable network. So when we looked at a sporting event, and in particular the Indianapolis 500, which will take place this Sunday, and I got news for you. I'm not an expert. I'm not here to handicap the race. I'm not here to tell you who's going to be the favorite, who's going to be an underdog, who's a dark horse, etc. I'm just talking about this from an event standpoint. That when I was a boy, not only did I look forward to it, but I paid attention to it. Because it was usually a hot, Sunday, where I was outside playing baseball, stickball, stoopball, punchball. If you're from New York City, you know where I'm coming from. Or Skullsies or Tag, etc. And that was an event that I paid attention to because, you know, whomever won that race was going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated that week. So whether your name was Mario Andretti, Jackie Stewart, Alan Sr., Richard Petty, go on down the list. That was going to be the focal point of that magazine, which I got in the mail, and it used to come, I believe, every Thursday, to where whoever won that race was going to be it. And you watched that. Drinking the milk. Recent years, Ilio Castanavis doing the Spider-Man, climbing up the fence. And I believe he won it last year, if I'm not mistaken. But you had that type of significance in the sports landscape to where people paid attention to that. And of course, in this day and age, with so much to watch and so much to do and so much to capture your attention, that it's become a complete afterthought. And the only reason why I bring it up is, yeah, I may make a mention to it on Monday, whether it's a close race or someone was dominant in the race, whatever it may be, I'll spend a couple minutes on it. But just remembering it as a boy and knowing that that was the jump off. It wasn't baseball, and to a certain extent, yeah, it was, but... 
People look forward to the Indianapolis 500. There was even talk about it. And I don't hear from any corner of the podcast universe or the terrestrial or satellite radio or TV, etc. I don't hear a peep about it. And again, hand raised high in the air. I'm not an expert. I'm not going to divulge and go deep and roll up the sleeves to say, oh, this is what's going to happen come Sunday there at the Indianapolis Speedway. Uh-uh, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to acknowledge it, remembering it as a boy, to tie that in with Sports Illustrated and how that was a big thing back then, and now it just goes by faster than you could say Indianapolis 500. So I just thought to throw that in there as I close out another podcast. So that'll do it, my good people. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you so much for just taking the time out of your day, whether you're listening to it, the day that it's released, the day after, days after, weeks. It doesn't matter. I'm just glad that you're here because your participation is never, ever taken for granted. If you haven't done so, please subscribe, rate, and review. Don't me a few stars, write a review. That's going to go a long way to increasing the visibility, as you all know. If you want to hit me up on any of my socials, please do. On YouTube, at J Reels, as I post daily there. And I'm going to expand that in the days, weeks, and months to come. On Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, the J Reels Podcast. J Reels 1 on Twitter. And the old-fashioned way, the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to send me a question, comment, or suggestion, I'll be more than happy to follow up with you guys and gals. And then lastly, if you want to contribute to this endeavor, you could do so by going to my Patreon page, P is in Paul, A-T is in Tom, R-E-O-N is in Nancy.com, slash the J Reels Podcast. Whatever you want to put forth, we'll go 100% to the production, upkeep of the website, equipment, etc. Because whether you do or do not know, this is what I love to talk about, people. It's in the blood, it's in the DNA, the passion, the fire, the fury, the energy, unlike any other, talking about all sports in one hour. Where else are you going to get that? Because I bleed. Everything that I just said, all that fire, the passion since birth, with my thoughts, opinions, analysis, critique, praise, feelings on anything and everything, that happens on the world of the diamond, ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon, you name it, from my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels Podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. The South Bronx, the Southeast, the South Center, the South Pacific, and all points beyond. Enjoy the holiday weekend, everybody. Peace, love, and God bless. And until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flip, baby.